Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated and then try to sneak in huge fees at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I mentioned a few times that in May, I'm going up to Detroit to check out my Tigers in Comerica Park, and I can guarantee you that my sister and I will be using SeatGeek to get some prime seats for those games. SeatGeek is the only place I ever go to look for tickets anymore, whether I'm going to a game or a concert. I got the app on my phone, and I've been using it just kind of scout some things out, get, get a good feel for it before I purchase my tickets for May. And honestly, what SeatGeek has done is they've taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all available tickets on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games, and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you with huge fees at checkout. Now, our listeners will get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get your $20 rebate, though, all you got to do is go download the free SeatGeek app, go to the settings tab, and click add a promo code. Enter promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the free SeatGeek app today and enter promo code SLEEPER. I'm the sleeper in the bust. It is Sunday, May 22nd. I'm your host, Paul Spore, joined by Jason Collette. Jason, how's it going? Uh, it's not going too badly. Um, more travel this last week. I was in Boston, but there were no, no games in town, oh. uh, which stunk. Um, but got uh, the Rays did sweep the Jays, uh, but then they did something this weekend. I heard I didn't really want to watch it or games? talk. I only caught the one they won, to be honest with you. You didn't catch those games? <laughs> I caught half the one they lost uh, Saturday. I didn't watch any of it today because that is where I am with Chris with Chris Archer these days. I don't want to watch him pitch. You know, we've talked a lot about him, uh, Chris Archer, but we're going to get back into him because, honestly, these these days kind of line up with the aces. You know, it doesn't stay that way all year that the that the number ones all go, but there's still some pretty decent lining up. So we, we, there saw, we saw a couple of the biggest struggling aces go again today and another <laughs> – was put on the DL, and so we have to go back to them. We really do. I mean, yeah. I'm, sorry, I'm sorry if you guys are getting tired of it, but these are the people that y'all invested in, and so I think it's, even if you don't have them on your team and maybe that's why you're tired of it, those that do still want to know what's going on. So we do have to dive into a couple of those. We're going to talk about one of the one of the games that you did see with the Tigers and Rays and, and how the Tiger pitcher pitched because you were impressed with him. This is a guy that been seeing flashes, like like one, two inning flashes, like 10 batter flashes here and there. But then on Saturday, he finally put it together. That's Michael Fulmer. We're getting to him. And then three really interesting outfielders right now, including Jackie Bradley Jr., who we got to revisit again as he continues to push his streak up. And a couple other guys that we've talked about recently, but they continue to succeed. And we got to see what's changed, particularly Eno and I have talked about him, too. So I want to see where you're at. And then we're going to jump into the mailbag for one of your absolute favorite players. But let's talk straight struggling aces first and we will just start with archer before we get to dallas keiko and, and again we got to get to both of them because they continue to fail and it didn't take long for archer 
to, to start struggling again today. Two runs in the first. In fact, there were runs in all three of the first three innings. Uh, he gave up six in three, and he was done. It's been difficult. It's been difficult to watch, and this in, in due in large part because um, due in large part to the fact that we both like him too. You know, it makes it more difficult for me. I, I, I mean, doesn't necessarily change anything fantasy wise, right. but it's like I like this guy and I want him to succeed. And the fact that he sucks is a huge bummer. What it, it's been more struggles. There were a couple good starts there. That oh, is he finally over it? Is it time to? Is, can you still buy low on him? Or did the buy low window closed? Uh, no. It's back wide open. He's now walked four in in three of his last four outings. Uh, how many did he walk today? Let's see. Just one, but he only lasted three innings. Because so, they, they weren't going deep into counts. Exactly. They were jumping on, on him quickly. What did you see out of Archer today against the Tigers? All right. So, again, I did not watch the game. Now, I watched the highlights of like of the of the moment so I'll, I'll focus on a couple of things there was this there was the rbi single by miguel cabrera in the first inning it was in this case casali called for the slider down and you know below the strike zone and away and archer hit the spot but the slider rolled up there. It, it did not have – we've talked about this. When we, I first started complaining about him. I talked about the shape of the slider just wasn't good. It wasn't that nice, tight slider that we've seen. It was that roly-poly crap. Mm-hmm. And this is what that was. And Miguel Cabrera got enough of it to knock it up through the middle for, for, for a base hit. And then there was the double by J.D. Martinez. It was a fastball low and away, and it ended up middle in. It, it misses spot by a mile, and that and this is what the crux of the issue is for Chris Archer, and it's not getting better. This is, I believe, this was his tenth start. We are a third of the way into the season, and his fastball command has been pure dog crap. It is there's nothing else to it. He cannot command his fastball, and it it takes away from his slider because he can't command the fastball. They're yeah, they're going to let it go, and they're going to wait for the mistakes, and then they're going to look for the slider, and and it it just. It diminishes his slider. It diminishes his fastball. And right now, he is just throwing the baseball. And, and I'm still not convinced he's 100% physically. And that that's the biggest issue with Chris Archer. And that's something that, you know, I, I, I hate it because uh, I, I want him to be really good. But it's it's <laughs> he had injury precursors coming in, right? He throws super hard. Uh, Chris Archer does mid nineties and he has that slider that he goes to a lot. And so those are two injury precursors with him that suggest, you know, there could be trouble. And the way he's pitching right now also suggests that there could be trouble. And I think a lot of times people don't want to believe it with, with guys like this. They want him to pull out of it and they want to see the, the, the good in, in every start. Like you said, we're 10 starts in right now. What are you, what are you waiting for? What's going to flip on a dime what is there to really grasp onto that is going to change except for track record? That's the only thing. If you can't make a case for Chris Archer right now that doesn't involve track record, it's really difficult to come up with anything. He is still striking guys out, which is which is a positive, but that's literally the only thing in his skills profile right now that you can say is a positive. Are you benching him in mixed leagues or are you cutting? Yes. Okay. No, I, I'll bench him. I don't know what the Rays can do to this point with him. I mean, if you, if you listen back to a few episodes ago, even when he had the the quote unquote good outings, I said I wasn't that impressed with the outings. I know. Yeah, you know, there was there was the six there was the six shutout innings. I'm like, oh wow. I'm like, no. 
Uh, you know, so maybe it's because I'm I'm highly critical, but I know what I expect of him. And if I'm watching the game and I don't see what I like, I'm going to call it out. And and so even the good outings weren't that good. And I don't know what their options are with him at this point. You, you, obviously, their bullpen could use some help, uh, but that's I don't see them doing that. And if you want to create a spot for Blake Snell, it's not like Matt Moore's pitching lights out. Matt Andrees is is truly a number five starter. And I, you know, I agree with the points that uh, you and Eno made on the earlier podcast this week, talking about the lack of swing in this stuff, and it showed in that game against Detroit. Uh, you know, they, there was a, there was that eleven pitch count against. Um, uh, Miguel Cabrera and even the out was a 500 mile an hour rocket to Longoria. I mean, it was a great, he was throwing everything and Cabrera just foul, 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 rocket. Uh, you know, it was just one of these crazy at bats um, for him. So it's not like he, but he's doing what's expected. Uh, if, if Archer was doing anything decent, Andres goes to the bullpen to soak it up, but maybe that's where they go with Archer. I honestly don't know, but this is, this, well, this, crap that we're seeing now reminds me of a lot if you go you know go back and listen to me last year complaining about complaining about Matt Moore why is he going out there every 5 days I have I have no faith in in Archer going out there and getting a win or even keeping the team competitive for 6 innings it's really really tough to deal with right now uh, one of our favorite pitchers struggling mightily and if you got him I think you do have to bench him I'm a never bench your studs guy but I say never you know uh, with I, I say it with caveats. I, I don't I don't mean it absolutely. I mean it. I mean it when you're like Giancarlo Stanton, right? He's in like a one, right. like two for thirty or some. Cra- it's not it's not looking up. good. He's striking yeah. out. That's a never bench your stud situation. Oh, I guess who he's facing the next four days? Who the race? Race. Oh, good. Man. Uh, you're right. So here's the thing with Archer, and I think this kind of spells it out. If you look at the rates on his pitches, uh, you know the contact rate is is up a little bit. It's up three percentage points. Um, but his percentage of strikes, this is the one thing that's really down. Sixty five percent last year, sixty one percent this year. But everything else, uh, and the chase rate, thirty one to twenty six. That's the other. That's the other area where things are way down. Uh, but even a swing strike rate, there's only a two percentage point drop. But that big chase rate. There's no reason to chase out of the zone because he's always behind the count. And he gets out there. It's like, uh, it, you know, they, they were aggressive today. He really didn't get a chance to fall behind the count. So the Tigers were like, you know, first thing we see in the strike zone, we're going to swing it. Otherwise, we're not swinging. Uh, and, and they were, I think he had 19 pitches before he had an out today as I was following along on game day while I was out in the park. That's uh, sorry, that was my phone. I'm an idiot. I got it turned off now, though. Uh, let's move over to Dallas Keuchel because it actually is worse over there. If you thought if you thought what we just said was was bad about Chris Archer and and, and you feel uncomfortable with how that's going, um, at least we're only saying bench him. I'm curious if you're cutting Dallas Keuchel in mixed leagues right now. I think I have to. I mean, because at least Archer's got the raw stuff. I think Archer's got the raw. At least he's got the raw stuff to make a bounce back. Yeah. With, with Keiko, you're looking at it today. Seven more runs in six innings on nine hits, six strikeouts, one walk. That that's that's a my, it's slightly positive. We haven't seen a positive uh, in many of his starts recently, but he's up to a 5.92 ERA. And the most concerning thing with the with the ERA and, and WHIP combo is when you look at the ERA and, WHIP, ERA and WHIP and compare it with the skills that he has, it looks a lot like 2012, 2013 yep. when he had an above five ERA and a one and a half WHIP. 
and it was the same kind of skills, an upper teens strikeout rate, a, a uh, approaching double digits, right around double digits walk rate, okay swing strike rate between 9 and 10%, but too many homers, not stranding runners, huge babbits. What's that? Too many walks. Too many walks. Uh, the ground ball rate was good, but not elite. It was 55%. Even in 2013, you had a 55% uh, ground ball rate, but that's not elite when you when you don't you know you need that elite to really really impact things. And uh, when he was at the 60s, 60 and above the last couple of years, that's when you're seeing it. You're saying, okay, now he can now he can impact his Babbitt because he's inducing that soft contact. And this story's probably getting old, but it's the same kind of thing. The teams are forcing him back into the zone. They're yep. not swinging at those close calls, and he's not getting those close calls when they do take the pitch, because uh, he's no he's not throwing enough strikes consistently. And this is something that Eno hit on very early in the season. And he didn't say that it was guaranteed, this is it, this is new. He said, watch this, this is alarming, and he wasn't wrong. He wasn't wrong at all. And, you know, it's tough to come out and, and point to something that's wrong with a Cy Young winner after three starts and, and you know, want to say anything other than, oh, it's just a couple of weeks here. Or it's just a couple of starts here. But it was problematic and it was a sharp change and it hasn't gone back the other way. And I, at least with Archer, we can find the positive. He's a swing and miss. He's got the strikeout rate. The, like you said, the raw stuff is still there. The velocity is still, uh, still high, even though it's not quite as high as it was last year. Some of the sliders still look good, even though not consistently. I got nothing on Keiko. I've got no single factor that I feel comfortable with. No pitch that I look at and feel great about. No, uh, you know, never had velocity to be wowed by anyway. Strikeout rate, walk rate, none of it's good. And that's why I said, are you cutting him in mixed leagues? And you said, you think you might. Here's the scary. So if we if we put anybody else's name on those numbers, we'd be like gone. They'd have been gone yeah, but, ages ago. So here, when you look across the metrics on him, here's what's kind of interesting: swing rate, same. Swing and miss rate, same. You know, with it within a percentage point, eleven two to ten five. Uh, percentage of strikes is down. Uh, amount of pitches in play, uh, the batters are putting in play two percentage points up. Uh, the chase rate's down, that, and that really gets back to what you were talking about earlier. And his called strike rate's down. This is not a guy, you know, we're looking at a 34% called strike rate last year, 30% this year, 33% chase rate last year, 29%. So he not getting not getting guys to chase out there who's trying to throw out there and then again like you said we, we'll, i think we put up the heat map on this last week yeah, we or did. two weeks ago i think it was and, last week. and that's still there and i bet you if you go back i didn't get to see the game today obviously but i'm still looking at a heat map that's got a lot of red right over the heart of the plate he doesn't have the stuff to pitch up there not what a lot I of guys do to be in fairness I don't, to him i don't see I, I he needs to have you know last year he pitched to both sides of the plate yes this year i don't see you know, come back inside. When I'm looking at this, I don't see that big red spot on the other half. I see a lot of red in the middle of the plate, a lot of red to the outside. I don't see red to the inside on right-handers. He's probably afraid to go back in, uh, you know, because if it leaks back out, it's toast. And that's that's the issue right now with Dallas Keuchel. And, you well, something's got to change. What he's doing ain't working. It, it's not. It's really not working at all. He's got a couple good starts. Uh, over the course of the season that, that might give you a little bit of 
of encouragement. And I know it'd be tough to pull the trigger. That's that's why I asked you the question. You know, I don't have him anywhere, so I don't really have to worry about you know cutting him in any in any mix league. Either. But like a ten teamer, God, if it happens, I would not blast the person who did that. I wouldn't say, "Oh my God, I can't believe Dallas Keuchel was cut in my ten teamer." I'd say, "Wow, I'm surprised it took that person this long." I mean, I don't even want—I don't even want to trade for a guy like this or trade for a guy like Archer. You're just watching the, the pitches. It, I get every week somebody gives me, "Is it time to buy low on Archer?" And every week I say, "No, I don't. I don't want anything to do with him." And every time I watch him pitch, it just gets worse for me. Yeah, because with him I worry about injury, and, and with Keiko I worry about effectiveness. Just overall. I don't know where he's going to refine it from. Now, we've we've talked about some guys. We've been on the negative end of some guys recently, and they've made us look stupid. So we might be doing you Keiko owners a huge favor right now. Huge. Uh, we've yeah. had a few guys turn it around the second that we said. Eh, we're Watch, here comes a no hitter. What's that? Here comes a no hitter. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know what? If that happens, that happens. But I'm as Play I'm looking pot. at it right now, <laughs> you can't get. You, if you've got a case that isn't he won the Cy Young Award and, and has had uh, one in two-thirds great years, which he did. Dallas Keuchel was excellent last year and really strong in 2014. I, actually, that was two full – I forgot. Yeah, Arietta's the one with the two-thirds of a year. So two full years, 432 really good innings, including last year, was just excellent with the strikeout rate and everything. But if your case is any – if you don't have a case beyond that right now, I'm just not that interested because I I know that I understand the track record. Starts ten starts of allowing five or more earned runs. Yes, I mean, I'm sorry. He's made ten starts. Half of those are five or more earned runs for him. And his earned uh, average. He's got solid. the he had the the eight eight shutout innings against your Detroit Tigers. Yep. And then he held Seattle to two runs over seven innings, and the Yankees early on who don't hit lefties at all. And everybody else has pretty much cuffed him. Well, here's the thing, and it was looking like a home road sort of thing, but then today he was trounced at home. Yeah, so. Norman, he's been normally he's been phenomenal at home. I think I saw some some beat writer stat today saying he's been like 23 and three and oh yeah, in Minute Maid, and then he went out and got crushed today. He's been great at home mostly, but but not today. By the way, uh, Clayton Kershaw coming up for a pinch hit at bat here in the 15th inning of this uh, Dodgers Padres game, but they're not letting him swing away. There's two on. And it looks like he's going to be bunting to try to get them to second oh, and third. As I'm wearing my don't bunt 16 shirt on. Yeah, they. Yeah. So that's what I'm wearing right They're now. Making a I do not have mine on, but I had my dingers shirt they, on they yesterday. They called him. They called him in to pinch hit the bunt. Yes. Jesus. Yes. Why? Why not just let yeah, him swing away? Yeah, let's have him get hit in the hand and break his hand. Oof. Yeah. Serious. That, I mean, that there is there. It's not a no risk proposition. To your point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, all right. The last of the struggling aces didn't pitch today and get his face caved in, but but hit the DL over the weekend. Sonny Gray did. Do you think this is real or uh, one of those one of those fake ones? Hey, I wish I could come up with a fake one for Archer. Uh, <laughs> it's a strained right trapezius. And honestly, the way he wasn't getting on top of the ball and, and, and has a kind of distinct split of four good, four bad, or is it five bad? I can't remember, but, you know, it's a distinct split. Gray was good for the first four to five starts. Oh, they let him swing away because he got two strikes and uh, fielder's choice. Uh, okay, sorry. He bunted the first two were bunt attempts, right? Y- yes, yes. 
and uh, then he had to then he had to swing away. So it's it was four good, two seventy three ERA through four starts for Sonny Gray, and then five five bad, and and all of them were bad. In fact, only one was longer than six innings, and and the one that was was a seven inning seven run uh, outing against Seattle. So five bad. He had a ten thirty eight ERA, seventeen strikeouts, thirteen walks, six homers. That certainly screams injury. So I don't know that this is a phantom DL stint for Gray. They, uh, they showed the side-by-side on MLB that he wasn't getting on top of his stuff. This they showed makes... that a couple of weeks ago, though. What's that? They showed that a few weeks ago. Uh, I think early this week. Or... Well, I thought we talked about it when he was pitching. Did we talk when about it last pitching... week? So then maybe it was, maybe uh, it was maybe late. Maybe two weeks ago. I don't know. But I'm looking at velocity maps, and, you know, doesn't look too bad. You know, when I I told you Keep when we mind. talked about a couple weeks ago, I wasn't I wasn't crazy about him coming into the season. Same. I thought he was being overrated. Um, but here's the thing: in his last start against the Yankees, he actually had his best fastball velocity of the season, 94.1 or 94.2. I think if anything, though, that should teach us not to just use velocity as an injury-o-meter. But trapezius is shoulder. Shoulder is where the velocity comes from. So you think it is so, a phantom? <laughs> oh, oh, sorry, Jason's Jason thrown down the gauntlet. Just my theory. Okay. Hey, that's why I asked because I, I, I you know, it, it, he needed it if that's what it is. Frankly, because because of the way he was pitching, couldn't keep going on like this. A, a couple week break, uh, you know, is better than just maybe a, a, maybe one skipped start. So, okay, you know, maybe maybe that maybe that's fine. Um, maybe it came up after the game, but all I'm saying is I'm seeing the velocity trend upwards. And then he goes out, and again, your velo- your shoulder is your velocity engine. And unless I'm messing up my physiology, trapezius is shoulder. Well, just saying. Might just have a 14-day phantom or 15-day phantom trip. Might be what he needs though, because uh, nothing's really working for for Sonny Gray right now. Where do you stand with him? Obviously, with the DL, most leagues you can just put him on the DL, but. Um, are you are you selling out for whatever you can get? Are you cutting him in any league formats right now? Where do you stand? And kind of with him, kind of where I am with Keuchel. I mean, I like I said, it wasn't big on him to start the season. It four starts in, he looked good, and then since he's been complete crap. Um, if this is truly an issue, but I, I wasn't seeing if he wasn't getting on top of it, then I like I said, I I thought we talked about this like two weeks ago. So if he was having this physical issue where he couldn't get his arm slot high enough because of a sore trapezius, then you knew about it then. Why Why are you letting him pitch through it? What if he didn't say anything about it, though? That's that's on him. Exactly. So I, I don't know, but, but I, oftentimes... uh, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't big enough on him to start the season, and I'm not going to change it. Nothing he's done has changed my mind. Yeah, a, a lot of pitchers don't necessarily come to the forefront with their injuries and and and, and tell the tell tell you what's what. By the way, it was it was last Sunday that we spoke of actually all three of these pitchers last week. We talked about oh, we had they the, sucked they sucked again. What yep, can we say? Yep, they had the Keiko, we had the Keiko heat map. We talked about Archer. We talked about Gray. And we talked about Price as well. But we were confident on Price, and he's been he's been sharp. He looks like he's back on track actually. All right. So that's that's your update on on the struggling aces, you know. I, th- I think I'm kind of done talking about Keuchel. I'll keep monitoring Archer, and then when Gray comes back, maybe we'll we'll see what's what with him. But let's talk positively about a pitcher because 
there was a guy who had you turning your head, and and you you were. Uh, this was probably your first real watch of Michael Fulmer for the Tigers. It was definitely his best start by leaps and bounds. Like I said, he could show this for a, a, a run, a 10-batter run, one really good inning or two really good innings, but it wasn't he wasn't putting it together for full starts. And finally, we saw it here, seven starts, or excuse me, seven innings, four, hit, four hits, one run, one walk, 11 strikeouts. The one run was a, an Evan Longoria homer. He just got a little bit fastball happy, and it was working so well, and he was throwing it so fast that I think he just, you know, got a little bit lazy with it and just kind of just kind of hummed one in there right down the middle and 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 Longoria rightly jumped, excuse me, jumped it for for the homer there, but um great outing for him. Fulmer's had the strikeouts consistently. We've seen the strikeout stuff, but homers have been a problem too. Uh walks have been an issue outside of this game. He was commanding the 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 um the slider better than than I'd seen at all. And, and that was the best thing that he had going there. It's a power slider. It's not quite as fast as Noah Syndergaard's, but it's up there. It's in the upper upper 80s. I, don't I know saw him hit 90. I was going to say, I was going to ask you, did you see any any 90s there? And, uh, yeah, he popped up to 92 with one. So power slider and a viable changeup. Uh, you know, he uses it 11% of the time. It still needs work. It goes in and out. But it's more than a show-me pitch for Michael Fulmer. So this is one start. And I, I, I don't know. See, I was asked in my chat if he's going to be sent out when, when Shane Green comes back. And I said, probably because it was before this start. And I'm still not certain that he won't be because one start isn't always enough to, to, to change the tune of a, of a team. But um, on, honestly, it should be Michael Pelf- Mike Pelfrey who's pulled out and Fulmer should, should be allowed to stay in. But they've also got Daniel Norris coming back. So... I think even if Fulmer is sent back out, it won't be too long because Annabelle Sanchez seems to be on borrowed time as well. He just cannot consistently uh, keep it going for five, six innings at a time right now. And if someone like Fulmer can show that he can keep the ball in the yard, that's going to be huge. What did you see from Fulmer, and what, what do you like for his long-term outlook here? Yeah, so I missed the first two innings, so I saw the rest of the start. But I, I, I'm watching a guy throw 94-98 with his fastball with movement. Uh, and even the one Longoria hit, it was like vintage long. And I haven't seen Longoria homer off a fastball like that uh, in a couple of years. But that fastball was coming. It was uh, belly button high, running up, and Longoria got the bat. He just saw it out of the hand and just went. And that's a pitch I've seen him swing through, break his bat. But I haven't seen him homer off a pitch like that in a while. So it was good to see from him. Uh, but. You know, 94-98 with a moving fastball that he was hitting his spots. I didn't I, I didn't see McCann moving his glove around too often. Um, the splitter was 85-80-87. I think I saw one at 88. He, sw- he struck out Brandon Geyer on a 3-2 pitch that ran up and in at 91. It, it had movement, glove side movement, but it was 91. And I, I, it was a weird pitch. I don't know what it was, but McGuire tried to check swing and ended up like going around. It was one of these weird things where he was like, Oh God, what the hell is that? And it just kind of swung. Um, and it didn't mean to, but it was, it was a pitch that he had not thrown all game long. I don't know if it was a hard splitter cause it had a little bit of little bit of drop to it, but it, like I said, it left his hand. It ran up, it ran in towards Geyer. And it was just like, Whoa, like it was almost like he was trying to get out of the way and he ended up swinging at it. Um, and it was the only pitch in that, 
you know, the slider I saw go 90, but it was going the other direction. This thing clearly had a different direction. It was just a weird pitch. Um, and then, like you said, the command of the slider, it was something he was he was setting up on the outer third of the plate and letting it leave the zone. And it was leaving the zone, and guys were swinging at it, making bad hacks or taking it for strikes uh, along those things. I don't know how you send a kid like that down. If that's I, – okay, I, that was the first time I watched the pitch, but good God. I mean, I have – that was one of the better pitching performances I've seen this year. It, it was fantastic. I, I was giddy. Uh, I'd been waiting for something like that. I was. I thought he was going to come to the league a little bit more re, more refined and ready. And it's only five starts. But again, and, this is an offense that had been on fire. I mean, they had oh, scored six or more runs in like seven monsters. Games. Just running through, they were just they blasted through Toronto. Even losing two or three to Oakland, they were still putting up the runs. The off. I mean, you think about the Rays. Oh, they don't score runs. That has not been the case lately. I mean, they're leading the, the league in home runs. Uh, but they're not scoring runs because they don't get guys on base. But uh, again, it, this in this game, he was just mowing through dudes. Bats that have been hot, just mowing through them. So I'm positive on that. I, I, I enjoyed that outing from Fulmer. Like I said, though, I do worry that he could he could get sent back down when when Shane Green or or Daniel Norris is ready. Look, Green start his last start in AAA looked good from what I saw. I retweeted somebody's. Uh, Whatever his line was, Shane Green had a good start uh, in his last rehab start. I think it's real. I mean, it's it is health for uh, for. Oh, there it is. Um, Shane Green. Green moved up to Toledo in rehab stint one day ago. He threw uh, forty-two pitches and three shutout innings. He walked uh, two hits and a walk, striking out five. Everything felt good. Blah blah blah. Um, so he's going to Triple A Toledo. He's scheduled to throw sixty pitches um, on Wednesday. So may not be too long. So yeah, he he could need maybe a couple starts at AAA. Green could. So that still gives Fulmer some leash though, and and gives Pelfrey some more rope to hang himself with. And and honestly, I do not. I I, I still hold a shred of um, confident. Well, no, what's what's the hell the word I'm looking for? The idea that uh, Pelfrey could maybe maybe be a worthwhile reliever, because I don't think they're gonna outright cut him. They pay, they're paying them eight mil this year and next year. I don't understand that. God, that makes me so angry. But, um, you know, a couple more bad starts of his. He hasn't done anything. You know, he's whatever, given up a couple runs in each of his last two. He still can't make it six innings. But he does have filthy stuff at times, Pelfrey does. And I think it could work in maybe short bursts. So move Pelfrey out, let Fulmer stay, get Green in there. Norris is still, uh, you know, slowly working his way back. I'm trying to think. I, I, can't, I can't even find an update on him right now. Okay, he's he's joining to re- rejoining Toledo's rotation as of a couple weeks ago. So then, then I saw a pitch. I saw Norris pitch uh, two weeks ago here in Charlotte. He didn't look good. See, health has been a major issue for him. He was about 91. The first inning was good, but then they really cuffed him around. Oof. That was the same game I saw Cameron Maben start hitting the ball. He had a home run and had a double. I'm like, yeah, he's ready to come up. And then it he came up like a, a week after that. And then Cameron Maben's like 68 for 40 this week. Or <laughs> ridiculous. And smashing the ball, too. I said this on Twitter. Even the he's, he's got not the smashing or Everything he hits is finding space. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's also getting – he's also – when you're running hot, you get the favorable ones. You get the doinkers that actually fall in. You get the, the grounders that go just under the shortstop's glove, that sort of he's stuff. But, ridiculous catches in center, stole a nice extra base hit. That was great. 
from Steve Pierce that was today. Great. Too. He's, but he's popping the ball right now. He's running. They're letting him run wild. He's four for yep. five on the bases. Yeah, I'm really geeked by him and What's that? I wish I had him in Tout Wars. Oh, man, it'd be perfect. But, of course, he would stop stealing the second that you got him. Oh, absolutely. He absolutely would. I'm in second place in Tout Wars. Unfortunately, I'm 20 points behind published author Larry Schechter. Just imagine if you had any any stolen bases. You know what? Maybe you could get this next guy that we're going to talk about. I want to revisit him because Eno and I spoke about him, but you and I haven't had a chance to talk about Leonis Martin. And in terms of the, the sleeper in the bust anti-curse or, or, or reverse jinx, if you want to call it, um, from the time that we spoke of Leonis Martin and Eno was a little bit tepid on him, I think he's hit a home run every day since. <laughs> We were like, eh. you know, you know, it's like, I don't know if he's got the power to hang. I've, I've been a Leonis Martin honk for, for a while. I've, I've tell this story all the time. You know, I fell in love with him that one summer in Round Rock when he beasted. He was a five tool stud. He looked, you know, he kind of in the face looks like Carlos Beltran. He looked like Carlos Beltran in the field that summer, and it was great. And so I've been waiting on him pretty much ever since. So I want the unbiased of, of Eno and yourself. I don't even necessarily include myself in it because we all know that. I love him, and I'm just not sure that I can that I can be uh, tamped down about this eight homers and seven stolen base start that he has. Comes with a 231 average, so you know that's not great. Uh, he says, mod, you know, ob- obviously, but I like that the walks are kind of turning a little bit, and and he's striking out a little bit less in the very recent future talking yeah about- the recent one because he's a, he's about halfway he's almost halfway into his 2015 plate appearance total and he's already equaled his walk 16 walks but uh, he's on pace if we were to just double his current numbers he'd be at 86 strikeouts in uh, 302 plate appearances and he struck out 69 times last year in 310 exactly so he, he's Looks like he's selling out a little bit more for the power then, maybe getting in deeper counts, which is helping him get the walks, but also the strikeouts. It's almost like a um, like a Brett Laurie kind of thing where, you know, if you look at the ground, if you look at the strikeout rate, you're like, well, there's, you know, he's, he's just flailing and, and, and swinging wildly. But if you look deeper, you're like, okay, maybe he is being a little bit more selective, and that means deeper counts, and that can mean more strikeouts. And, yeah, there's going to be some swing and miss to it. But when he's connecting, he's crushing the ball. And so I like what I'm seeing out of Leonis Martin so far. Highest hard hit rate of his career by far at 33%. The pull rate is up another three percentage points from 43 last year to 46 this year. Fly balls are way up. Uh, to a career high 45%. Last year was a new career high at 33%. Uh, he, had, he hadn't been above 30 prior to that. So everything is trending for Leonis Martin to say, okay, we understand why the power is there. We under, you know, speed has always been a component of his game, so that's not surprising. Just wish a few more hits were falling in because at 231, it it, it, it saps some of, the, uh, some of the excellence of the homers and stolen base count. But at some point, when you're pacing toward like a 25-25, well, he's probably pacing toward higher, but if, if you're headed toward a 20-20 sort of season, your batting average, I mean, it, it matters, but he, in the 230 to 250 range, I can live with that. What do you, what do you think of Leonis Martin so far this year? Um, he's doing what I expected of him in the counting categories. He is somebody that I really wanted, uh, and he ended up going to going to uh, Rick and Glenn for eighteen. No, no, I'm sorry. He went for eight dollars. Eighteen. Uh, eighteen. He went for eight dollars. I'm sorry. He went for eight dollars. The draft uh, eight sounds guys. like more viable than eighteen. Yes. Well, I'm looking. I missed the mixed the columns. It wasn't somebody that I was ended up. I don't know when he went in the draft. 
but this is a guy I wanted him because I remember recommending to a few people as a as a speed bounce back. I think even when we did our AL West preview, he was somebody that said, you know, I think we both said, let's go grab because he can run. If he's going to get on yeah. base, he's going to get that job. I believe we both blessed him. I'd kind of uh, given up on the power and, and said, oh, I never what? thought I never saw the power coming, but I thought this was a guy that could get 15 to 20 steals easily in a bounce back season if he had playing time. And, and, and so far, it, it has for that. been there. And his defense is something. He's not the greatest defensive center fielder in terms of routes and all of that, but his arm is so good that it makes him a plus defender overall. And so I think yes. his, his playing time is solidified via the defense. And, you know, again, the running's always been there, so that's what made him intriguing. Was just hoping that maybe we could finally see double-digit homers. Well, he could have that before Memorial Day. It's just been a really good season for Leonis Martin. Probably shouldn't be available in any more leagues at this point, even with the bad batting average. I think it is time to go ahead and get him on your on your team in any sort of league format. All right, next up is uh, Jackie Bradley Jr. And I don't know that you and I have talked about him. I know Eno and I have uh, at least once in the midst of this. At least once in the midst of this streak. He continues to get base hits. It's not like he's just going one for four every day, though. He's clubbing the ball around. That offense is absolutely ridiculous. And first off, let me ask you, how much do you think that the excellence of that offense can can help a, a hit streak? Is it overrated how much that can help, or, or do you think that that can actually play a role in, in keeping Jackie Bradley Jr. going here? I, I think it absolutely helps because we've said it a million times. It, it's a lot tougher to pitch out. It's tougher to pitch when guys are on base than mm-hmm. when nobody's on base. And if people are on base in front of them, which they seem to be quite a bit, that's going to help him. So we, I absolutely think that's a factor in this. And you know what I like is that and it's also a factor. One of the reasons why I'm 20 points behind Larry Schechter because he's oh, got he's Jackie got Bradley Jr. Oh, geez. That is 1035 OPS right now. Another thing that I like <laughs> that is also aiding this streak is that he's getting back to his, uh, his walking ways walks were always something that were part of his game. Although when he first kind of came up and, and, and was, was trying to make his name, I thought there was a bit of that passivity that you worry about. Sometimes when you see a great walk rate and you say, well, why isn't he doing more damage with it? Okay. Is it one of those things where he's just getting in deep counts and looking for a walk instead of looking for something to do damage with? And I think there might've been some of that in the minors as he was coming up. And now he's like, you know, we're still talking about a guy who's only 26 years old. So for, for all the talks about how he just wasn't that good, God, Puig is having a really rough day. Uh, he just he just pop-bunted pop out uh, to lead off the 16th inning. I don't know why he was even bunting. Don't bunt. Uh, never, never bunt. Uh, back to Jackie Bradley Jr., though. So, again, clubbing the ball all around the place. The power is the thing that I think really stands out to folks. And, again, this is another guy that I actually like and and I've I've been interested in. But I could never say that I saw this kind of power coming. So I'm not – you know, I don't have – I have him on like two weeks. So I'm not even trying to say, oh, I I, I knew Jackie Bradley Jr. was going to finally break out. Just when – you know, you got got some of your players, some of your mid- and low-tier players that you like, that you keep going to the well with. This was one of them. I don't know how to explain this kind of outburst after, you know, uh, after what he did through age 25, but I'm sure as hell enjoying it. How much of it is sustainable, Jason? Not a 1035 OPS, but can he put up a full season of what he did last year, which was 832 OPS? Or has he banked enough that it would that even an 832 would be disappointing at this point if it was his bottom line? So Here's the thing. He started some of this late last year, and I am trying to August find. Days. As you were talking, as you were talking, I was trying to find because I did an article for RotoWire, 
and talked about shopping in the bargain basement. And he was listed as one of the guys that I had down there because of how he ended the season. Uh, and when he came, he came back, um, what mid August, late August. Was he part of roster expansion? No, It was August that, that he exploded. And, um, he, he I think he played most of August cause he'd only played, 16 17 games leading into august then he played 26 games in august and put up an 1163 ops actually a triple slash that looks a lot like what he has right now he cooled off in september but actually that's right he came right up after the trade deadline he came up on july 29th and i think he didn't play but he started playing august 1st i think it was yeah and then and then just lit up august Kept it going a little bit in in September from a power aspect. Still hit another four homers, but everything else really kind of came back to earth. The 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 streak, the run that he was on last year was basically August sixth through September seventh, and he put up a 424, 480, 880 triple slash line with seven homers, couple steals, four triples, thirteen doubles, thirty one runs scored, and uh, thirty two runs driven in. So he he was he was electric throughout that point and then for the rest of the season there from september 8th through the finish line he was uh pretty pedestrian back down to 138 247 263 couple homers um you know and then and then the other counting categories were, were uninspired as you might expect with a line like that so super hot streak and then a super cold streak to kind of finish the year so i don't know where that really put him he was being drafted but he certainly wasn't being heavily targeted this year i don't think uh for jackie bradley jr but obviously now with this streak and with what he's been doing he's not available anywhere but are you selling or are you holding or buying all right so if we if we take all if we take how he closed last year his final 209 plate appearances 276 361 564 and it all flew under the radar because boston sucked and it was great Mm -hmm. uh that they sucked. So if we take all of those numbers, if we take from when he was basically August 1st until current, looking at his numbers, uh, the way things have played out, you know, we're looking at now 377 plate appearances, 306, 383, 591. It's, it's pretty, this is a 27 doubles, eight triples, 17 home runs and 377 plate appearances. Isolated power at 285. So last year, I mean, he, he, I've, we've talked about this. I talked about Ben Zobrist in 2008, how he closed the season. And it kind of flew under the radar. And then when he blew up in 2009, everybody's like, where the hell did that come from? Well, it came from 2008. If you were watching, guys, I bet you're going to name them too. Jose Bautista, Josh Donaldson. Bart- yes, those types of guys. So it's it, then we look at Bradley last year, it completely flew under the radar. And I wish I could find this work because he was one of the guys that I said – Look, look what he's doing here, folks. Go get him. Uh, and I can't find the article, so I can't pat myself on the shoulder. So um, get him uh, in, in any league. Would you buy high? Obviously, people will be looking to sell him. Would you Would you go ahead and, and, and what's that? I can't pay the price. He's going to go. He's produced like a, he's like a $35 player right now. Yeah, but who's going to realistically? I mean, and they can ask for that, but I would I would. You know, still tell them, come on, you got to relax a little bit on that. Overperforming player with Red Sox bias. No. The Red Sox bias piece matters because I do think that if he's on Oakland, he wouldn't cost as much. I think that that's definitely fair. Let me throw some names then. Let's put some names to it. And uh, I'll go the pitcher route. Let's just say somebody's looking for a pitcher from you. And they ask for, is Stroman too little or too much? Too little. 
Okay. What about John Lester? No. No, you wouldn't do it? No, I wouldn't do it. Okay. Um, I know you like this guy, so it's probably a no, too. Danny Salazar. Oh, I'd do it. You would trade Danny Salazar for Jackie Bradley Jr.? You're giving the pitcher. Oh, I'm going the wrong way. I'm going the wrong yeah, way. You're I'm giving sorry. the pitcher in all these instances. So then I so, would say yes. Then I would say yes, yes, no. So you would give Lester? Yeah, yeah I get Strowman. Well, yeah. So obviously, guess, since yes, he, no. you said yeah. he's too low, so you definitely give him. Um, and yeah. you wouldn't give Salazar? No. Okay. Um, I want my strikeouts. I'm greedy. What about Cole? Is he even any good? He's not good. No strikeouts the other day. No strikeout. That pissed me off because I totally would have won more DFS money. Right? By the way, <laughs> y'all, if, if you can get Jason to give you some DFS tips, I, he would never consider himself a pro, and I'm patting his back for him. But you're on fire, dude. You've been on fire lately. I am doing well, although not as well as the guy yesterday who won first and second in my league uh, and won sixteen hundred dollars um, by playing. I hate the two. I hate the fact that people can play multiple lineups in the same league. It's crap. You know there uh, are some single entry. Yes, I do, and I normally those are those are the ones I normally get into. This was my. I usually play two a day, and I play two or three dollars worth. Yeah. Um, and I'm. But my balance is like 55 bucks right now. Yeah. So, you know, I played two or three dollars a day and I, I usually make my money back, double it. I uh, made 15 on on Saturday night. But and that was because Josh Donaldson got thrown out of the game like a jerk. Uh, you know, those oh, kind of I don't, I don't expect a zero for Josh Donaldson. I, action there because... I, I know. But I mean, when, when I get a home run from Eduardo Nunez. Yeah, it's like I'm living large yep. when I'm when I'm starting at Water Nunez that he hits a three run bomb. Your, your yes, it cost piece. my J Hap win. It cost my it cost the J Hap win. But I'm like, it, it, it's it's Water Nunez. And then I had another home run for Lorenzo Cain, and I forgot I had three home runs. And then Josh Donaldson, the guy I dropped all the money on, puts a big fat zero up. That yeah, that that's always brutal. So um, so but then Cole, would would you would you trade him for for Jackie Bradley Jr. No, I wouldn't either. And I like Jackie Bradley Jr., but I'm not I'm not dissuaded by the one outing there with zero strikeouts against uh, Colorado where he kind of had to dodge raindrops. All right. We got one more guy to talk about. Then a quick mailbag question again with your favorite player. Folks, try try to guess who that is, because I'm being sarcastic. That's the only clue is that I'm being sarcastic. Uh, Melvin Upton Jr. is somebody you wanted to talk about. Eno and I have kind of hit hit on him a little bit um, and kind of his resurgence. But I don't think you and I have had a chance to talk about old Mel. And, you know, he's playing pretty well. Not not too bad. This is a Leonis Martin kind of deal, except with the better batting average already. Leonis Martin would love to get up to a 259 batting average. That'd be great. Six homers, eight stolen bases, actually walking up to the plate as I'm talking about him right now. So he's probably going to hit a walk off. He's three for six today. Second for the weekend. Oh God, that first one was. And it could awesome. Could have been. Could could be a third because he almost got it last night too. These these two teams, uh, L.A. and San Diego, have played some damn close games, and he's scraped the wall yesterday with another potential. So today he's got a triple and a couple singles and he's going to be trying to go yak off of, let's see, Ross Stripling's in, the starter. Um, because that's where we're at now, folks. It's a 16-inning game. You got to you have to start going over to the starters. So I'm watching it now. Tell us a little bit of what we got from 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 Melvin Upton because he's in half the number of games. He's basically matched his uh, ERA, his homer and our uh, stolen base totals from last year. That he had 87 games. He had. 14 and this year he has 14 it's just a little bit different makeup of the two but he's matched it in half the games i'm liking what i'm seeing is there anything worthwhile here though 
All right, so, and I'm not even trolling when I say he's the better Upton right now. Well, it, right it's now, really strange to talk about, but this point in the season, he's the better Upton. And when I I, I mentioned this because I have yesterday morning I was going through and, and looking at the box scores and everything, and saw the video, and he gets a uh, he grounds into the shift. Um, oh, you're ahead of me. Sorry, and then uh, he. Um, so I was looking at this, the walk-off homer that he hit against Jansen, and as I'm looking at him, I'm like, wow, he looks different. And I mean, I, I, every now and then I'll tweet out pictures of guys looking different. About two weeks ago, I, treat, I tweeted one out about Matt Joyce, who I, I can't even recognize at the plate. He looks so different at the plate. Upton, for the most part, looks the same, but he's made a couple of changes, and uh, Jason Hanselman and I were, were going back and forth a little bit on him. He noticed something about the back foot. Uh, and said, you know, the old squash and the bug thing, instead of being open, uh, you know, he's got that, that front foot, uh, that back foot down and not messing around. You know, he mentioned it like a, 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 like a spring, a wound up spring. And I said that with, with Upton, and this is where I wish we had that side view on demand. Cause we have all, all broadcasts have that camera that give you that side view mm-hmm. of the batter. And they only use it on check swings. I wish we had that kind of video on demand because this would be a good chance to look at Upton to see what's changed. Because in the past, I've always thought, you know, he would. And I, I, I mean, I've written about this guy so many times and all the different changes he made in Tampa Bay. It, it kind of feels like, OK, I'm not going to get suckered in again. But with him in the past, it's like he'd have. The, he'd start with his front foot turned in, or then he'd have the toe tap, or his leg kick would be higher, and all these different things. And right now, I'd even I'd even look at the lower half because part of the problem in the past I'd see is that that coiled up spring that Hanselman talked about. It's like that coiled up spring in the bottom and his top part. It was rarely in sync, and so when it was in sync and he could get out, he could hit the ball. But it's like his lower half was doing one thing. It's almost like when you take a you know, you take some bungee cord, you coil it up and you let it go. And, you know, the top, the two different parts go in two different directions. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what, what up swing looked like. But now this year, what I noticed when I, when I watched the video first thing um, was where, where his bat and where his hands were, you know, I look back at video from 2015 and it's Upton out, you know, his, his hands are out away from his body and the bat is more, you know, the bat is more, vertical straight up and if i look at if you go back and watch the video of the home run against jansen hands are closer to the body bats a little flatter so he's able you know, he's already able to get his hands inside the baseball and so he can go if you look at his spray chart right now he's got stuff going to all parts of the park he's got stuff going off the right field wall he's got stuff going down the left field line mm-hmm. stuff going back up the middle even when he grounded into the shift last night that's why the fielder was there because upton's hitting baseballs there now and, and he, he typically doesn't and he's not popping up as much and, and melvin upton right. when he really fell apart uh became like a pop-up machine and w- when was it? it was like uh 2013 right right when right when he started with the braves and actually there was a precursor uh, he started to do it a little bit in his last year with the Rays, but then it really mm-hmm. took a turn with the Braves. And his infield fly ball rate, after usually sitting around 8 9% for 20, 2009 through 2012, jumped to 19 but then back down to 11, but then back up to 21 last year. And so too many pop-ups were a big issue. This year it's back down to 6%, which is where he was in his in – his, uh, early days 2008 2007 back even when it was the devil rays and he had that huge season in 2007 for for melvin upton jr and so 
The walks are back as well. It's a five-year high at 11%. Strikeouts are still there. That's part of his game, though, and he's just, he's going to have some swing and miss. Strikeouts don't preclude you from being a good player, and I think sometimes we we get a little bit too focused on that as uh, in, in the fantasy baseball community, saying, okay, he strikes out too much. He can't be good. No, it's going to hurt you batting average-wise, but it does not mean you cannot be a good player. Right. And it, it, and for him, it's yet another mechanical adjustment. I mentioned he's always tinkering with something. And in the past, what I what I would notice was with Tampa Bay is he would do something, it would work, and then as soon as it stopped working, he would fall back into bad habits. He yep. would find something else to adjust to. I remember uh, that. But he looks he looks different at the plate now. I mean, the hands being inside make a lot of sense because that way it's not more wasted movement. So you're not having to bring them in. The hands are already in and he could be shorter, more direct to the baseball. And the fact that he's hitting more things back up the middle, that's a good sign uh, for him. And, you know, I I have anybody who's listened to this show or anything. know that I have dogged this guy for a long, long time. I mean, it's been deserved. Uh, for being too. a disappointment. And, yeah, and he was been dead to me. I remember he came up in my NL only auction and I was like, Oh God, do I, I needed an outfielder. And I was like, yeah, I'm not even going to pay five bucks. I need an outfielder, but I don't need one this badly. He was the Oops. joke guy this year. When people bring him up, if he, if he was drafted or brought up for auction in leagues, it was like, good luck with that dude. And whoops, like you said, whoops. You know, he did show a little bit last year, and so maybe, like you said with with Jackie Bradley Jr., maybe we should have been a little bit more open to Melvin Upton getting back on track because it was only 87 games. Like I said, 14 homers and stolen bases combined, Um, you know, 259 average, basically the same triple slash that he has right now except 10 10 fewer points of OBP. So things weren't that different, except he's done it now in in half the games with the Padres. Uh, Playing time should be set. He's still only 31. So, you know, this is why I refuse to to bury guys anymore. Even somebody like Pablo Sandoval, who looks like he's so done and gone, we've seen guys come from worse depths. So it doesn't mean I'm rostering Pablo Sandoval, but in terms of the globals trying to say that he's done, I, I don't I don't want to do that because I just baseball is a weird game that way. And these guys that are established and have long careers, sometimes they have really low lows. And then as long as there's a team willing to give them a chance, they can come back to fruition. So I, I like what we're seeing out of out of Melvin. I hope it continues. I don't have him anywhere right now, but uh, it's been it's been nice. It's been definitely nine, nice. ninth stolen base tonight, too. Uh, by the way, this Dodgers pot, I mean, the Dodgers have used their entire bullpen. I mean, they use stripling because they had used seven relievers. And then you, you don't know. I mean, you can't plan ahead for this. But do you think that Dave Roberts is regretting only using Chris Hatcher for 14 pitches and Lewis Coleman for 16 and Joe Blanton for 12? Uh, and then we look at the Padres and they're using Brandon Marr for 11 pitches, Fernando Roddy for 11 pitches. Butcher for 15 pitches, and now all of a sudden Luis Perdomo is from 62 in four innings. At least they've got another guy, but I mean, Ross Stripling's it unless they use another pitcher on, on his throw day and get some pitches. They're kind of out of pitchers at this point. Yeah, that's brutal. By the way, is there anything more freaking annoying than when the stupid iPad won't do the motion that you're making? God. I get Don't knock it over and spill a drink on it again this time. What's that? Don't knock it over and spill a drink. I won't. I haven't spilled anything on the new one. That was the old one. Spilled the whole big drink the other day. I think it was before we started the, the, the show, and it was brutal. But, yeah, I get, I get frustrated with technology pretty easily. I need to stop being a little baby and calm down. Uh, all right, mailbag question, and then we out for the week. Um, 
You're going to love this one, Jason. Obviously, you already know what it is, so it's not like a, a surprise to you. But Joe sends this question. He says, got any thoughts on a potential Mike Zanino breakout? Now, don't laugh. Stop laughing. I can hear you silent laughing. Uh, the dude is hitting higher than my GPA right now. That's a pretty funny joke, Joe. And a call-up seems like it could be coming soon. Now, spoiler alert, Joe actually sent this a little while ago, and we still haven't seen the call-up. And for me, that's the first thing that jumps out is the, the fact that he is still not up. But Mike Zunino, in fairness to him, is crushing the ball in AAA. He's got 10 homers and 30 ribbies in 157 plate appearances. He hit 11 homers with 28 ribbies in 386 major league plate appearances last year. His triple slash is on fire, 305, 369, 589. You know, it is going well. I, I, I cannot deny the fact that he is hitting well in AAA. But like I said, the first thing that jumps out to me is that if it were all that great and the team were th was that interested in him, why wouldn't he be up already? Because isn't he supposed to be defense first? And in that case, wouldn't he be better than, than Chris Iannetta? Now, the one thing I can think is that Chris Iannetta is kind of Jerry Depoto's guy. He did bring him over from yep. L.A. And maybe they're, maybe he's giving him a longer leash there. But you know, Steve Clevenger's the backup. And exactly. He's not doing I mean, I, I know he was traded. I know he was traded for Jake Arrieta. <laughs> but Steve Clevenger, this this is the guy that is blocking Mike Zunino from being called up. So when a guy who's doing nothing is is still there on the roster and Mike Zunino's not, it speaks volumes. And why you you can talk about Zunino's overall numbers. Last two weeks, he's hitting 216, 310, 333. Hey, guess what? We know that Mike Zunino. That's actually better than the Mike Zunino that we know. So, yes, he got off to the hot start in the first 25 games. But if you've been spending the last two weeks wondering why this guy hasn't been called up, there you go. He's, you know, back to being Mike. He's hitting 216 with a 644 OPS in the Pacific Coast League yes. with 10 strikeouts and 51 at bats. It seems and like he's got four extra base hits. Mike Zanino came back to earth. It's yeah, it seems like a case of in the course of any year and he'll probably have another one, a, a player's going to have a hot streak, but since it was the start of the year and it was the only data that we had, hi Tyler White. You want to look at it and say, "Whoa, there's something here, and I just don't know that there is. We have not changed our tune. Sorry, Joe, we have not changed our tune on Mike Zanino at this point. The one positive that I will give him is that the strikeout rate is still pretty good. If you isolate the uh, the May where he is struggling with just a 696 OPS, he does still have an 18% strikeout rate. And so that, that can work. Um, if he can continue to, to not swing and miss like that, that that is an improvement, but I don't know that there are enough improvements to where I feel comfortable. And so now I'm so not... I mean, and and catcher is an absolute wasteland to begin with. Yes. Even like even good catchers coming into the season like Russell Martin suck. So it is an absolute fantasy wasteland. And I say this as somebody who has to roster Hank Cogger in the league Oof. right now. He with his one home run and one RBI, but there is literally Wait, he has one RBI. He has one. Good, good, um, good it was on there, Chris fly. Trager. It was on a sack fly. Um, yeah, so it was. I have. I have no other option, and so I have to. I have to start this guy. It's killing me. But I have crappy. Bobby Wilson is my best fantasy catcher in any league. Bobby Wilson. He had two more RBI today. He's got 13 on the year. Hell of a pickup. I mean, that is the guy that's driving my catchers. So, I mean, if you can kill a roster spot on him in an AL only league, and you have the bench spot fine 
because, again, that bar is so damn low. All he's got to do is step up to the plate, and he's already better than half the catchers. Um, but That's the best I, no, that we can I, come up with for him, huh? Really? I, I, don't see, I don't see much here. I mean, he I may be able to help me with some home runs. So, you know, he's better than rolling out Steve Clevenger, who is on one of my teams in my starting lineup. Um, but but um, hey, the simple fact is, Zanino has to get called up before he can do anything either. And that was our biggest point because we did talk about it a little bit off air before we started. And we were going to say the same thing at the exact same time was that the team doesn't have him called up. How confident can we be? Uh-oh. Luis Perdomo, after pitch 9,000, looks like he's finally uh, letting it up here. A couple runs scored for the Dodgers. We'll see if this game will, will actually finally end. Honestly, I hope the Padres come back. Oh, Puig did it. Redemption. Redemption. Oh, good. Name is Yasiel Puig. <laughs> Uh, okay, Help us. that is going to end it for us this week. We got to get going, get our bids in for the evening, see what's what. Not a lot of moves to be made for our labor team, but we do have multiple teams. So we're going to get out of here. Jason, we'll be back in a week. And I guess, guess what? I promise you folks, we will not talk about Dallas Keuchel, Chris Archer, or Sonny Gray. No matter what happens, we will not talk about them. That would be amazing. Jason, well, next week is Labor Day weekend. Are we going to be good? Memorial Day weekend. So Memorial Day weekend. TBD. Yeah. TBD okay. on that, folks. Um, I will let you guys know closer to the middle of the week, maybe on the Wednesday episode, I can let you know if you should be looking out for the for the Sunday. You and I can convene off air and see what, what each other's doing for the holiday. Otherwise, I'm good. I'm, good. I'm, I'm home um, because my wife's going to Chicago uh, for a high school reunion thing. Oh, okay. So I'm home. Well, then, we, and then, then we might be able to just get it done. Um, but Eno and I will be back tomorrow. Then Wednesday, and then now it's looking like possibly on Sunday as well. So have a great week, Jason. I'll talk to you later. All right, man. You too. Bye.